0: You wake up in the middle of the night with an agonizing pain in your big toe. You don't remember injuring yourself. What could be the cause behind this excruciating pain?
1: Before my diagnosis, I knew nothing of gout. I think I had maybe heard of it, but I didn't know what it was or what caused it. I had no idea that there was a link between gout and kidney disease.
0: That's Jen Gentry a designer and photographer, one of the nine million Americans living with gout. She also has chronic kidney disease. She's joined by Josie Cooper from the Alliance for Gout Awareness. I'm Monica Fox, Director of Outreach and Government Relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and your host for this edition of The Journey Continues. Hi, Josie. Let's just get right into it. Let's start with the most basic question. What is gout?
2: Um, gout is a, a very common form of arthritis um, that can lead to very sudden, very intense pain um, in your joints. And it's caused by a, a buildup of uric acid in, in your blood um, that leads to you know, these, these very, very painful attacks. And what are some of the
0: causes?
2: So gout is caused by a buildup of uric acid. And uric acid is a, a naturally occurring waste product in the body. But when excess uric acid collects because you're overproducing it or your kidneys can't process it well enough, it can um, lead to this form
0: of arthritis. And who's at risk for developing gout?
2: Well, in some ways, it it can be anyone. Um, Gout occurs most commonly in men, um, but women can um, get it too, as as Jen here can attest to. And folks who have kidney disease are particularly susceptible to gout because of of the issues in processing uric acid through the kidneys. And so um, for folks who have kidney disease, it's something that um, folks really should be aware of.
0: And what are some of the symptoms people can look out for?
2: It's really, it's pain. Typically, you know, folks talk about these really sudden Intense pains that that happen in their joints. So a lot of times, you know, it, it occurs in the big toe but um, but can impact any joint actually and so frequently this happens in the middle of the night someone might wake up and kind of find that they have this unbearable Pain um, in their big toe or in one of their joints. Um, but that's really the, the main symptom It's just
0: this really intense excruciating pain Sounds bad <laughs> And what are gout's long-term effects? If gout
2: is left untreated, it progresses over time. So attacks might become more frequent. They might uh, become more prolonged, um, which can be really challenging for patients to manage. Um, There are also other long-term implications. Excess uric acid can be a factor in cardiovascular risk and stroke risk. It can be challenging for your kidneys because they're doing a lot of work trying to process the uric acid, Um, and it can also lead to long-term joint damage. And so those are are risks that make it really, really important that patients manage their gout and manage it very proactively.
0: Yeah, sounds like that's really, really important to, to manage it. And how's gout diagnosed? So it can be diagnosed
2: um, by doing a very simple blood test. There are a couple of other tests that um, your, your healthcare provider might kind of take up to diagnose, but it's, it's very easy to test via the blood. Um, uric acid levels should be under six. That's the number that, that we always like to make sure that patients know, but it's, it's very easy to keep a close eye on that through a blood test.
0: And is there a way to control uric acid? Is that something you can control by what you eat? Or is there something a patient can do proactively?
2: Absolutely. Gout is, you know, and I'm not a, a healthcare provider myself, but gout is extremely treatable. It's not curable, but it's, it's very, very treatable. So the first approach that our physician advisors frequently talk about is, is controlling your pain. Um, So your doctor might prescribe, you know, anti-inflammatory therapies um, or other medication to to help with that. And then the second approach actually involves decreasing the amount of uric acid that's in your blood. And that's really important to address um, the underlying cause of uric acid, but also in managing, you know, and, and making sure you're not having flares. And so lifestyle changes can be a part of that. Um, whether that's weight loss, um, reducing alcohol, uh, limiting certain foods. But for most folks, um, medication is an important part of, of gout management. So we really always at the Alliance for Gout Awareness um, encourage people to seek out a healthcare provider, typically a gout specialist, who can help you walk through your medication options, walk through those lifestyle
0: changes, um, and make sure that you're on the right track. So tell me, how's the Alliance for Gout Awareness help people who are living with gout?
2: That is my my favorite question. Um, So the Alliance for Gout Awareness is a nonprofit organization that that works to do really two things. The first is to raise public awareness um, so that folks understand, you know, that that this is a common disease, that they feel comfortable, that we destigmatize this condition. And then the second is to help people manage the disease. So we um, are a coalition, we work with about 15 other patient advocacy organizations, including the National Kidney Foundation, to provide education and empowerment to patients. And so what that looks like in practice is developing educational resources, whether that's a video or a kind of gout guide, as we call them, but also hosting programs where patients can be connected with a healthcare provider be connected with another patient in order to learn more about how to successfully manage their disease. Um, And so we we see ourselves as really a resource to patients, whether you've got questions or need help finding a healthcare provider, we're really here to provide as much support as we can.
0: The Journey Continues is obviously a podcast about kidney health and organ donation. Can you tell me how gout's related to kidney disease? the cause of gout is uric acid and uric acid um, is naturally filtered
2: out by your kidneys. And so if your kidneys aren't working as well as they they should be, uric acid can then collect. And so if you are already dealing with kidney disease, you have a higher risk of developing gout. Um, And gout can also lead to some issues if it's untreated with your kidneys. And so it's a, a very, very close connection Um, just based on, you know, that uric acid.
0: Now, Jen is living with gout and chronic kidney disease. Jen, what did you know about gout and chronic kidney disease before your diagnosis?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, Before my diagnosis, I knew nothing of gout. I think I had maybe heard of it, but I didn't know what it was or what caused it. I had no idea that there was a link between gout
0: and kidney disease. So which diagnosis came first?
1: Um, Kidney disease. I was diagnosed with CKD when I was about 12.
0: Okay. And when did you first know something was wrong?
1: Um, For (laughs) gout-wise, That was when I woke up in the morning early, um, one morning with horrible pain in my foot. Um, and I, you know, seeked medical care and it took me about two years, um, to get a diagnosis. It was awful. And then I learned then after those two
0: years that gout was related to kidney disease. Did you go to your primary care doctor? (laughs) <laughs> Your nephrologist. Why did it take two years to diagnose gout?
1: I went through several doctors. Um, I didn't know, you know, what it was at first. So I went to an urgent care because it just happened all of a sudden. And that entailed like x-rays and, you know, you're fine, go home. And that happened a few times um, in different urgent care and then an ER one time. And then um, I finally went to a podiatrist because it was my foot over and over again. And she tried to put a boot on me when I was having a gout flare. So that didn't go well. And she assumed that, you know, something else was wrong. And she looked in my chart. Thankfully, my nephrologist was in the same care group as she was. And she saw that I was a kidney patient. So from that, she said, you know, there's this thing called gout, and you might have that. And I think you should talk to your nephrologist. So then I went to my nephrologist for it. And it was still mismanaged for another year or two year and a half, maybe before I went to a rheumatologist who finally, you know, explained to me exactly what it was and why it was happening. And how uric acid had probably been building in my body since I was 12.
0: Oh my goodness. So how did it make you feel to finally learn your diagnosis? Oh my gosh, so good. (laughs) Um, It was really hard not knowing what
1: it was. And um, it was very consuming and it was getting worse and worse. So finally knowing what was causing it and what it was, was definitely life-changing for me.
0: Yeah, it must have been so scary to have that kind of pain for so long and not know what was causing it. How'd your diagnosis affect your lifestyle? Well,
1: it actually helped because um, the rheumatologist kind of taught me that the medication that I was using, you know, probably wasn't enough. And my flares were coming, you know, more than once a month at this point for, you know, four to five days each. And it was It was all consuming and um, he kind of taught me that there are other options out there and we're going to try them all and we're going to get to the bottom of it and there's hope. So it was a really good thing for sure.
0: Wow. That must've been such a relief to find someone who was, who knew what you were dealing with and was committed to helping you get better.
1: Yes. Yes. So much. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So how'd they treat your condition? What ended up working?
1: I went through a few. I had started with Uloric from my nephrologist and steroids as needed, which you know came down to more than once a month for me. So there was a lot of steroids at the beginning. Um, we changed to allopurinol for a little bit through my rheumatologist and colchicine. Um, we upped the Uloric and then we finally tried Cristexa, the infusion medication. And that was the ticket for me, for sure. From that point on, I was flare free. And I just do a low dose um, maintenance medication now daily.
0: Okay, so glad you got it under control. Does your nutrition have anything to do with your control of of your gout?
1: So um, in the beginning, I thought for sure, because if you Google it, you know, that's what comes up. So before I went to my rheumatologist, I, you know, was trying everything. I didn't have a heavy purine diet, so you know that's kind of what you find online. Um, so that was easy to cut out. It wasn't things that I was eating, anyways. I drank all the cherry juice that exists in the world, and that wasn't helping me. So when I went to my rheumatologist, I of course asked him. You know, I'm not eating these foods. I'm drinking all this cherry juice, and none of that is working. Um, It's still getting worse and worse, you know, kind of what else am I doing wrong here? And um, he taught me that since it was coming from my kidney disease, there probably wasn't a lot of control through my diet. I could maybe, you know, bring it down a little bit. He said about one point, but, you know, if my uric acid is 10 plus, bringing it down one point by a very strict diet brings it to nine, you know, you're still above six. So you still can have all these flares it was like I tried it all and then kind of learned more about maybe it wasn't going to work for me that way. Um, so I could, you know, relax on that aspect for a while.
0: I see. So perhaps someone who's earlier on with lower levels might have better luck with that. But in your case, medication was the best way to get yours under control. Yes. That makes sense. So what suggestions or advice would you have for others living with gout? Um, I
1: say don't do what I did, <laughs> which was um, I did not advocate for myself enough in the beginning. I didn't push more back, you know, with the doctors that were saying, you know, it's a sprain, go home, it's a sprain, go home. How was I spraining my foot in the middle of the night, you know, doing nothing? So I definitely say advocate for yourself more and get to the correct doctor. If your doctor is not helping you enough, You know, don't be afraid to change doctors and look for somebody else that would be better suited for you.
0: That sounds like fantastic advice. I really, uh, I agree with that 100%. Thanks to our guests, Josie Cooper from the Alliance for Gout Awareness and Jen Gentry for educating us about gout and its effects on kidney health. If you'd like to learn more about gout, visit goutalliance.org. I'm Monica Fox, and this is The Journey Continues. Prevention is a key part of our mission at NKFI. That's why at the end of each episode, Dr. Melissa Prest offers a health or nutrition tip.
3: Here's today's health tip about sleep. Getting good sleep quality is essential for your health and well-being. Adults need about 7 to 9 hours of sleep each night. Not getting enough sleep has been found to be associated with the development of chronic illnesses like diabetes, heart disease, obesity, and depression. You may not be getting good quality sleep if you wake up in the morning and do not feel rested, if you've repeatedly woken up during your sleep hours, or if you're experiencing symptoms of sleep disorders, such as snoring or gasping for air. Improving sleep quality may be helped by better sleep habits or being diagnosed and treated for any sleep disorder you may have. Good sleep habits, sometimes referred to as sleep hygiene, should be done 30 to 60 minutes before your sleep time every day. Examples of habits that can be used to improve your sleep health include, being consistent by going to bed at the same time each night and getting up at the same time each morning, including on the weekends. Engaging in some relaxing activities like taking a warm bath or shower, doing gentle stretches, meditating, focusing on your breathing, or spending some time reading a book that isn't on an electronic reading device. Make sure your bedroom is quiet, dark, relaxing, and at a comfortable temperature. Remove electronic devices such as televisions, computers, and smartphones from your bedroom. Avoid large meals, caffeine, and alcohol before bedtime. Get in some exercise during the day as this can help you fall asleep more easily at night. And limit napping during the day as this can disrupt your ability to fall asleep later. If you do need to nap, keep it to 30 minutes or less and avoid napping later in the afternoon. If you've implemented good sleep habits or you're still having difficulty with your sleep or the sleep difficulties continue to impact your day, talk with your health care provider for further care. With today's health tip, I'm Melissa Press, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois.
2: The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com.